Welcome back, everyone, to the wonderful show we call Sweet Shots Podcast. Lucas Johnson alongside Chuck Johnson and Mark Johnson. I think I switched that one up you that did? time. You did? That's the first. Yeah. Chuck Thank Johnson you. and Mark Johnson. There you go. Well, uh, special guest in the booth today, um, Amy Olson. I almost said Amy Anderson again. It's, you know, I answered either. It's, you get both of them. So, I do. Well, Some welcome people in. forget I was Anderson at one point. That was all, already five and a half years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. Amy Olson, Amy Anderson. Anyway, in the booth. Welcome in. Thanks Thank for coming you. In. Thanks, Thanks for having me. This is uh, pretty special for us. This is great. and We've uh, been trying to make it happen for a while now, and we're glad glad you're in. So welcome to our little slice of heaven. So. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed being on the simulator and in the academy a little bit. Now I got promoted to the podcast room. I mean, this is a big deal. Right. Working, you're on the third level now. Yeah. You started, that was first I'm moving level. up. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Right. Wait till we ask you to pick the range. Yeah. <laughs> Hop in the I'm Bobcat. Busy. I'm busy. <laughs> okay. yeah. Did bad. that enough at eight years old out at Oxbow? Maybe it wasn't eight. Maybe I should fudge that. Right, right. You said it was like yeah. 14, 15. <laughs> right. Did you hop in the picker out there? Oh, all the time. Oh, that's yes. fantastic. All the time. Yeah. Are you really a range rat kid if you didn't pick the range from time to time? It's true. Right? It's true. I mean, I was far country club. I was a little kid out there. They sent me out with like a rake and a couple shag bags. I yeah. was the one getting under the trees. In the trees? I did that yep. too. I leave yeah. with five bucks and tips and they call it good. At least <laughs> you got paid, Mark. You owe me. You know, the years that you ra- own the range as the range guy, but I did the work. Back in the day at Village Green. Yes. He would recruit me to help him. And then you were doing sports and other things. So I'd just do the range for you. I don't think you ever paid me for I those things. So. Maybe in golf balls. I maybe gave you some golf balls or something. That could be. But no. Anyway. But this is, it's a, it's a treat to have you on. Amy and your roots here in in town in our community and what you've done with golf and your life it's just uh, amazing so we look forward to visiting w- about some of those subjects but growing up at Oxbow I mean you had, you you had right literally out your back door right access yeah. to that golf course yeah for sure I mean hole twelve if anybody remembers now the old Oxbow because obviously mm-hmm. the course is a lot different now but old Oxbow had number twelve as a par three and we were right on the green. Our yard was in shank zone. So if you were just playing in the yard, you had to be careful and you had to keep an ear out for four. Sorry about Um, that. Yeah, our grill got hit a few times. Uh, You know, the window got hit a couple times. I don't ever remember breaking, but, you know, the nice thing was is I remember waking up at like six in the morning when the grounds crew is like just out there and it's so quiet. I could go play one hole. I could go play 12, 13, 14, play three holes could tee off on 12 and play nine holes finished on 11. Um, it was just such a great setup to like get interested in the game. Cause you don't get dropped off at the course and you're stuck there for three hours yep. as an eight year old. So I was just able to like kind of develop the interest and play as much as I wanted to, and then go home and eat lunch, you yep. know, whenever I wanted. So, um, great environment to be introduced to the game. Obviously have an older brother who probably was into it a little more than I was at first, but you know, he inspired me and we, competed we still compete in everything that's just kind of the nature of sibling rivalry but um yeah fortunate to just have a really good environment and and good support around me growing up that's awesome and correct me if i'm wrong but you were you were homeschooled right was that through high school yeah k through 12 so all the way through high school i didn't end up playing i could have played for the kindred golf team okay that would have been kind of my school district opted to just play you know tournaments in the summer and that's kind of how i got noticed by different colleges and 
never really looked at a bunch of colleges. I graduated because of being homeschooled. Uh, I graduated at 16, so I was pretty oh, young. Wow. Um, didn't necessarily want to move all the way across the country at that point. So, um, yeah, stayed in NDSU at that at that point. I have a question back to your high school options yeah. Yeah. as far as yeah. playing golf, because I thought rumor was, or even our dad, our dad had oh, yeah. expressed some interest in I the rules. I love rumors. Yes. Yeah. I love rumors. The rules would have... <laughs> yeah. The rules would have allowed for you to possibly even play at Chanley. Is that true? I, you know what? I am not sure. I don't know if we would have had to pay tuition or taken at least one class. I don't think so. I don't so. know. I think, so dad told me he talked to your dad about okay. having to play for the team. He And he was like giddy. Little like, low like, school <laughs> recruitment. Yes. Yeah, Love yes. it. Yeah. <laughs> dad, yeah, he told me that once or twice. Okay. So whether or not he was just rumoring and yeah. whatnot, but he, he indicated that he had talked to your dad about playing. Yeah, I don't honestly, I don't know what the rules were okay. for that. Yeah. You know, obviously you can play for your district. Um, that's a rule in North Dakota. And then with Shanley being a private school, mm-hmm. I'm sure they have their mm-hmm. own rules. So so back to that, being being homeschooled, there I'm sure there are many advantages uh to being homeschooled, but something like not being on a high school team, do you ever look back and go, hmm, boy, I wish I would have been on a team, but, or did college check that box for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I loved my college experience. So being on a team was really, it's one of the best things you can do. I think in sport, I think there were things that I wasn't aware of because I wasn't on a high school team. So I remember looking back and like, I'm a freshman on the NDSU golf team. Right. And I think that my opinion should be just as valid as the next person's. (laughs) Oh no, 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 no. That's not how that works. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I remember a few times when, you know, coach might've asked, well, you know, what kind of travel suit do we want this year or whatever? And I'm here, you know, 16 years old, but well, 17 at that point, but piping up going, Oh, I think we, and the seniors are just looking at me like, what is, what is this pipsqueak talking about? So, you know, there's things about like seniority. I had no idea about going into college and I probably could have saved myself a few like foot in the mouth comments (laughs) had I played in high school. Um, so, you know, I do, you know, maybe there's some things like that I, I look back on and probably missed out on. Um, and, the thing is, is I knew everybody on the golf team at Kindred. They were all out at Oxbow. Oh, so sure. I yeah. still had the friendships and yep, yep. Um, really liked a lot of those girls. And I had I had such good role models, you know, that I looked up to when I was eight, nine, 10, 11 years old. Yep. Um, I think of like Jenny Henderson, Gina Dahl, Erica Dahl. These girls were like five, six years older than me, state champions, loved golf. And I just remember like idolizing them, right? And I think that's something that you can sometimes get from a high school environment as well is you look up to the seniors, you have role models. And I do, I feel fortunate that I still had that. That's yeah, that's neat. I, yeah. Actually, when you look at it, the high school window, that season's pretty small yep. compared Especially to the- Especially like class B was in the spring at that point. I don't yeah. know if it's still They is. switched now. They switch now. Yeah. And anyway, that, oh, that can be brutal seasons for right. sure. Yeah. Right. And the relationships you touched on it are made in the summer with the amount of time that yeah. you're, that you're at the golf course and traveling to tournaments with them. You, so you, yeah. you did have that experience in a way. Yeah, for sure. I did. Yeah. I ended up, you know, just by nature of it, I ended up hanging out with my brother and his friends most of the mm-hmm. time. Cause when it came to the summer, the, the kids that were really grinding on their game and working on things tended to be guys, you know, the, the girls were a lot of times at the pool and, and whatever else. And so I probably missed out maybe a little bit on that, but I had a lot of really good friends and, um, I love competing with guys. I love the trash talk that comes with it. And (laughs) it's just a little different environment. So 
Love What's that the age too. difference? Sorry, between you and your brother? Yeah, nineteen months. 19 so we're months. pretty close. Very close. Yeah. So okay. that's kind of my mom put us together. In you know, she started my brother uh, in kindergarten, and I just listened in and started reading kind of ahead. Okay. Yep. So she stuck me in the same grade as him. Sure. So going through like the homeschool phase, like what, from a high school standpoint, you kind of get your foot in the door with all the sports and you find one you like, and then you continued on. At least that's kind of, I mean, I grew up in golf, but most people do it. Homeschooling because you were on a golf course, was it just always golf for you? Did you have other interests where you're oh, like, maybe give it a try? Lucas, I wanted to play t-ball Ooh, at four okay. years old. And my it. dad made me choose at four, <laughs> whether, <laughs> whether it was T-ball or, or, golf. or golf. We're not doing anything baseball related yeah. or we're not doing anything golf related. And obviously golf was the choice yeah, um, yeah. from that point. At but four. Yeah, at four. Well, I remember you coming over and playing in the father-daughter yeah. at, at the Meadows. Yeah. And you were pretty young. Yeah. I, I mean, probably eight dad. at that point. I don't yeah. think I played any tournaments before. I was like eight or nine, maybe. But I mean, yeah, that was probably my first, God, my first competitive experiences. Amy Olson, the professional t-ball player. Right. Nice. Here we are. Got a different I ring. No. Different How podcast. That'd be a little weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> different My pod- questions wouldn't apply to that, but they were different. <laughs> so I want to touch on, you know, the homeschooling and how that prepared you for college. Um, you and your brother are both very smart. He's a little class valedictorian. I, I mean, yeah. like you won uh, academic awards, if I remember, in college, um, both recognized probably at NDSU and in the whether it's NCAA. So obviously homeschool prepared you. Was college just that easy for you? I mean, because it's not. You're juggling no, yeah, yeah. You're juggling a whole new life. Now you're traveling for golf. You have that those relationships with the team, and you have to study because that's why you're there. You know, some might say. Did, yeah. did school yeah. come easy to you easy yeah. because of the homeschooling experience? Um, so one of the things that my mom always prioritized, and mom was the teacher, dad always said that he was principal and in charge of FIED. Which he did pretty good, job, pretty good job with that. Um, but anyway, mom always stressed. She's like, I don't want to teach you, um, you know, just what to know. I want to teach you how to learn. Mm-hmm. So she was really big on just not just pushing information into our brains, but teaching us how to get information. That's great. So when we got to college, I think one of the biggest adjustments, all of a sudden you have to go to class. Like that no, wasn't a th- that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. all of my high school career was done in my bedroom, in my pajamas on the floor, (laughs) either, either reading a book and just gathering information. Or at that point, like DVDs were starting to come out. There was some online, you know, learning where you could watch a lecture, but I just remember going to college and going, wait, I have to spend like five hours a day in class or however many hours it is. And then I also have to read the book and then I have to. So truthfully, I kind of I mean, I went to class, but I would sit in class and read the book mm-hmm. because for me, that's how I'd learned how to learn. Sure. So I relied heavily on just reading the book and gaining material that way, which was great because when you miss class for road trips, right. you know, we're on the on the road all the time. Um, I just would grab the book. I'd be reading it and I wouldn't miss a beat just because that was how I was going to learn anyway. So I think maybe that was one of the things that helped me um, adjust to college as far as like the class load and everything my mom was the toughest professor I ever had so you know I mean yeah she had very high standards which I appreciate and um, it was always interesting to me in homeschooling we would take a test and then she'd give me the answer book and let me correct my test find out what I did wrong and then I had to go figure out how to do it right so when I would take a test in college 
And then you wouldn't get the answers back for like five, six days. I was like, I don't even care about that anymore. Now I don't even, you know, so I didn't necessarily, I didn't find that I learned as much from tests because I didn't get the chance immediately to go back and get feedback on what I'd done right and wrong. Mm -hmm. So that was a little interesting. That is interesting. And um, I was going to say, so obviously it's a different schedule. So practicing for golf, right? Was there a priority in that in terms of like, whether your dad was a FIAD teacher, was FIAD golf practice when you could, or is it, I mean, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, so I remember, and you're saying more in high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like high school, I remember because my brother and I were like so motivated to get out to the golf course. And once the snow melted, we didn't want to be anywhere near the house. We just wanted to be out on the course. So mom used that as motivation. And she just said, you know, this is the book we need to get done this year, whether it's math, whether it's science, when you get through it, you're done for the year. Yeah. So, I mean, come January, February, my brother and I were just cruising through these, you know, textbooks yep, yeah. trying to get done. I remember getting done on like April 5th one year. And all of a sudden, you know, everybody else is in school until May 23rd or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, this is great. Yeah. I'm just you out on the course, course all day. That's beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, my mom knew how to motivate That's us great. and knew what our interests were. So, I mean, she used that to her, her advantage for sure. That's beautiful. really cool. And so, I mean, before we get into your unbelievable college career, right, the amateur career before that was fantastic, too. The highlight that I've got is the 2009 U.S. Girls Championship, right? You will yeah. go on to yeah. win that one. Yeah. We talk a little bit about that experience. Is that kind of when it clicked as far as like, okay, I can play with the best of them. I can be successful. Yeah. I'll even go back maybe the year before that 2008, I played in the U S girls junior in Connecticut. It was my, I remember actually Marilyn Barge. She was mm-hmm. always such mm-hmm. an advocate for me and, you know, you got to play in these tournaments and you've got the talent, you've got all, you know, everything yep. it takes. And so I qualified for the U S girls junior in 2008. And she was just like, this is going to be such a great experience for you. I had no idea where I was going to fit in on the national level. I'd played, you know, local Fargo-Moorhead stuff. I'd played some Minnesota stuff. Like the junior tour? I mean, you've been the, doing the Fargo That's junior right. Tour you and, know, the elite yeah. Yeah. FM junior uh-huh. tour yep. and had won a few of those. So yep. I was feeling pretty good. What age would you have in 08? So when you go play in the SAM? What? 16. 16, okay. So it's, yeah, it's later. It, uh, yeah, it was, it was, I just turned 16, like okay. two weeks before it. So... I remember going out there and having no expectations. I just knew, I just assumed everybody out there is so far better beyond me. And so that was kind of like my mentality when I practiced. Like I never compared myself to people around here. It was like, I'm looking for perfection. Like what is the ultimate? And so I had in my head, everybody was way up here. So for me, when I was able to go out there, I made the cut. So, you know, 156 players, 64 make the match play cut. And then I won a match and I made it the top 32. I'm sitting here going, I can hang with these girls. Like, that's crazy to me. Like, that was probably the first time where I got that little bit of taste on the not only national, but international stage. Like, hey, I can maybe do this. And that was a huge motivator for me that year. So then following into the next year, qualified for the girls junior again in New Jersey and went out there and I was medalist in stroke play. So I I don't remember what I shot. I remember it was just like downpouring rain. It was absolutely miserable. And I get off and it's like, I was the low score. And I'm like, whatever happens from here, I feel like this was a success, (laughs) like felt good. You know, I got my little like USGA gold medallion from that, like super cool experience. And I remember people, like I kept hearing things about, oh, 
you don't want to be the medalist. Like that's the curse. The medalist never wins, you know, and you always hear again, rumors. Um, so I just went into it and I was like, Hey, if I win a match, great. Then I, you know, did what I did last year and just kept winning matches, had some insane matches. Like one, I was down two with three to go. I end up chipping in on the last hole to extend it into extra holes, like win on the playoff. I mean, like so many yeah. things fell into place that week that I just look back on it and I'm like, I don't know what the Lord was doing, but he right. was kind of probably just setting things <laughs> up and just going, you can do this and yeah, I've yeah. got you. Um, nice. so anyway, you just never know, um, what's going to happen. It, it was fun to put myself in that position and to have a little success. But at the same time, I also knew like, that's the junior level. Mm-hmm. What I'm shooting for is the pro level. Sure. And again, in my mind, that's way up there. So I was still kind of just, how can I improve? How can I get better? So at that age, and that's the question I was going to ask you, Amy, at what point did you go LPGA? That's my goal. That's my ultimate goal. Was it back when you were a little, I, I little remember, bopper popping on Oxbow and playing? I mean, or what? Yeah. Or was I, it during no. that era where you go, boy, I can compete with them? I remember the first time I watched the LPGA and I said, that's what I want to do was at 10 years old. Wow. I watched Kari Webb hole out on hole 18 at the Dinosaur at that point um, to go into a playoff. She won an extra holes. And I was like, that is so cool. These yeah. girls get to do this for a living. Like, that's what I want to do. Very cool. um, so that was kind of the first time, like the dream sure. was there. Um, and I remember telling because. I told a couple people when I was, you know, that age and everybody kind of was like, oh, that's so cute. And I just stopped telling people because I'm like, yeah. they just like kind of laugh at you almost. And so I'm like, in my mind, I had this phrase and it was aim for the stars and you might at least hit the top of the telephone pole. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know yeah. where I heard that, yeah. but I was like, why not dream big yeah. and work as hard as you can? Are you ever really going to regret putting everything you you have on the sure. line? Yep. Like, what else am I going to do at ten years old? Right. <laughs> you know, what I <laughs> yep. mean. Yep. So anyway, I yeah, I I definitely had the dream at ten, but I don't think even I thought that it was a possibility till I was probably sixteen or seventeen. Okay. So a little uh, question on the detail of that experience when you went, was Nathan on the bag for those ter- two amateur tournaments? Or yeah, not? yeah, he caddied for both of them. Yep. How special is that to have yeah. your brother on the bag? Yeah, no, I mean, Nathan and I have had such incredible experiences through golf together. Um, and I've, you know, I've caddied for him at different times and he's caddied for me. And I think one of the interesting things about our relationship is we're extremely competitive and there's nobody we love to beat more than the other person. <laughs> but at the same time, Neat, like there's no bigger supporter, you sure. know, than he is of me or I am of him. So, um, yeah, it's a really cool relationship. I'm super thankful. I mean, I remember 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, we fought like mm-hmm. every yeah. brother and sister right. does, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, yep. there's, you don't get around that, but especially as we got older, I mean, truly just became best friends. I was going to ask like what that relationship is like mid round crunch time, because I, with my sister, I mean, I just tell her to shut up, don't say anything. And I think she caddied for me at the Birchmont the last summer. I was in Am and I shot sixty four, and it was like, just don't say a word right oh, now. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Mark's caddied for me, and um, there's been some disagreements on clubs, and it was like, ultimately, I made the decision, made the bad one. Yeah. So, um, but like, what does that look like? Is there times where you're just like. Nathan, I just need you to be quiet. I'm going to play my game. Or are you always welcoming whatever he's got? Yeah. So there's two very important things that any caddy does. One is knowing the right thing to say. 
And the second is knowing when to say nothing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, good point. And the yeah. second one's way more important than the first <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <right? laughs> That's true. So, you know, he and and he just because he knows me so well, he all like he literally always knew. Um, and part of it is like if I want to talk, I will initiate conversation. So um, you know, he really knew kind of when to stay out of the way. And he also adapted, like he trusted me, but like if I wanted input, he was always there, right? Yeah. So like we went through different phases where he would read my greens for me because he's an excellent green reader. So there were times where it was like, I trust your eyes better than I trust mine. And so we pretty much just went with his reads all the time. And then got to the point in my career where I was like, I've got to be trusting my own instinct a little bit more. And so he was like, I'm going to step away. If you need to call me in, you can. But like you go with what you feel. And then I knew like he had my back. He had confidence in me. I didn't feel like he was going to be standing over there going, right. Wish you'd have called me in on that one. (laughs) You know, I mean, just even like just trusting that your caddy isn't second guessing you is so huge. Um, and he's, I mean, he's just always kind of found that perfect balance. So that was one of the hardest things for me. And we'll get to that. I'm sure eventually, but on tour, Nathan caddied for me, my first full year on tour as a rookie. And it was such a a huge help for me, but the adjustment to finding a professional caddy was extremely difficult and being able to articulate what I wanted, you know, what he had done so well. And I just took it for granted. Um, that was a whole nother process. Sure. Yeah. Do you actually, I mean, do you, do you interview caddies before you give them a chance to be on the bag? How does that play out? A lot of the caddy situation is very much word of mouth. So like who's available, you know, and and you're talking to, there's usually like a couple caddies that are really in the know of who's available, um, who's looking for bags, all that. And so you'll get names and you'll talk to other players and say, when they were on your bag, what were your issues? Like, why are they not still on the bag? Right. Cause there's, and, and sometimes it's a stylistic issue of just, Oh, they wanted to be, you know, this, and I wanted this. Um, sometimes it's like when we had issues, like they wouldn't listen to me. Okay. Well then that's probably a red flag. Right. You know, so you, you do kind of references, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, and then when you hire them, you generally just hire them for a week or for a three week stretch or something. Trial Trial. period. Yep. Yep. And the best thing that you can do is have written down, here's what I want. Here's what I don't want. The more detailed, the better. They might think that you're like OCD, whatever, but like they better be okay with that because you are the boss and you know, the best caddies adapt to the player because every player needs something different and really good caddies. That's like what they live to do. So it's not it's not like a written test where it's like yeah. ten questions situational. Right. No, right. first not. ones I I right. just hit a tree off the drive and now what club am I pulling? Am I going a hero right. shot or not? Yeah. You know, what, are you, <laughs> what are you guessing there? But that's really interesting. I mean, I, references for caddies. Oh that's yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, a big one. Network a out though. They, they, they know each other. It it's is. a small small group really. When you probably break it down. Yeah. So. Before we, we might get into our break a little early, but we're, I think we're going to try and transition into the college career because that's, I think, when we were started getting on the map, obviously, 2009, but the connection or the the, the community of NDSU around here, talk about that, how how that might have kept you in Fargo. I mean, you said you didn't really, weren't looking to go far away. Yeah. But why NDSU? Yeah. When I had, when I was kind of coming to that point where I was going to make the decision, on where to go. A couple things factored in. One, like I said, I was 16 years old, didn't want to move a long way away. 
uh, was working with Dale Helm, my swing coach, who taught me how to play, you know, from 12 years old. And so I wanted to be able to continue to work with him. Um, So I knew I wanted to stay local, but that didn't necessarily automatically mean NDSU for me. I actually toured, you know, I toured MSU, toured Concordia, toured NDSU, and honestly was was leaning towards Concordia at a a certain point. Um, And as I just sat down and I looked at it, I was like, you know what? NDSU has some great opportunities. They did have, you know, the sports bubble, which is where they kind of practiced. And I felt like the the practice facilities, um, interestingly, the coach at the time was Lisa Schwinden. And she oh, sure. she okay. stepped away that summer and Matt Johnson came. So the coach yeah. that recruited me, I'd, I'd love to say, like, I went there because of Lisa, but then she wasn't there. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she yeah. recruited me and actually signed me and everything. And um, I remember her calling me in the summer and just saying, hey, like, I'm not going to be there anymore. And I was like, okay, who's, was that her who's next? Was to Osgood or where? Yeah. So okay. she went to Osgood yeah. after okay. that and, okay. and was the head professional there. And uh, Matt Johnson, who owned the yeah. sports bubble, took it over. And so we really were, quote unquote, freshmen mm-hmm. together. Um, wow. That was his first year. And it worked out great. I had such an incredible experience with Matt as my head coach. And we built a team that is still incredibly close knit. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it was a great experience, but it's funny because I look back on that and it, it could have been a coin flip for me mm-hmm. as to where I went. Um, a big part of it probably, you know, I had a full ride scholarship at NDSU and that that matters a lot, oh, yeah. especially if you're looking at a a pro career, you know, and yep. you don't want to start that with with some, you know, student debt. So, um, yeah, I, I made the decision to NDSU probably. I'd love to think it was a really smart, wise decision I made, but I think the Lord just led me and um, it worked out great. That's awesome. So we're going to we're going to get into our first break here because, again, we haven't even touched on hardly anything we wanted to talk about yet, believe it or not. <laughs> um, so we'll get into the first break. But after the break, we're going to get into your NDSU career and then the pro career, which we're really excited about. Again, so thankful you're on here. So we're going to be take our first break. We'll be right back. Stick around. This segment sponsored by Sweet Shots Snowball Scramble. February 11th, uh, Saturday the 11th, grab four of your friends, three of your friends. It's a four-person scramble. Come on out, and we're going to play at noon, and we'll play 18 holes of scramble golf, great prizes, food. More information is available on our website, sweetshots.com. Should be great. We'll get the heaters cranking. I mean, tournament golf in February. That's fun. Can't beat it. The forecast is for upper 20s. So yes, that's perfect. You're going to want to turn those heaters down, actually. So 20 degrees, no wind. It's like you're living in Miami out here. Mm, love it. Perfect. Just perfect. So I know before we came back from the break, we were talking. Amy, you said this was one of the most disappointing days of your Well, not today. Goal. Not today. Not that. Oh, oh yeah. boy, that sounded wow, bad. Wow, good save, Chuck. Oh, good save. She was the, the day we're about to talk <laughs> there about. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, it was the day we're building up to. No, no. She was really disappointed today. She didn't want to come in. No. Um, but the story we were telling, it was one of your most disappointing days in, in golf, right? Yeah. It did have a relation yeah. to our family. Absolutely. Right? So the one and only Don Johnson mm-hmm. and Carolyn, who ran the FM Junior Tour, had some stipulations around who could participate. And one of them was age related. So I remember at 11 years old, my dad made an appeal that maybe Amy could play 
in the 12 year old division, even though she's 11, but like he promised, he swore up and down, like she's not going to get circle tens on every hole. Like she can do it. She can hang with the 12 year olds. And that rule was firm and fast. So my dad came home and told me like, you're just going to have to wait till next summer. And I just remember bawling my eyes out because I just wanted to play in a tournament so bad. And this was my, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities, you know, in in Fargo-Moorhead at that age. So anyway, that was, that was a tough day. That's tough. Dad stuck to the rules. He did. That was consistently. He was a rules guy. Well, he worked for the fire department. Yeah. More than 35 years in the fire department. If you don't have rules, you know, people so, are going to, I'm not saying this jokingly, people could lose their lives if you don't follow the rules and the protocols. And that's how we he lived grew it. up for the most part. So, but you just so, told me Amy, the part that like, I didn't even know or remember about this story. So I, I yeah, my, my mom, Carolyn interjected it. This was recently we were talking about this and she said, I remember this. She said, I think she remembered it as you actually came to one of the events and you couldn't play because you were only 11. But you my brother st- was playing. Your brother was playing. Right. He was out on the course, and you stayed on the practice area putting and chipping for like four and a half hours while he was out there. <laughs> and you consistently did that. And my mom swears. She goes, that's why she's such a good golfer. She spent so much time on the short game area. That's hilarious. Because I don't remember rules. that, yeah. but because it doesn't surprise no. me. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that nice. goes to, you know, you take something away. Yeah. It becomes more oh, you valued, want it right? You want it more. more. Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of goes to being able to do what you've done while living in a northern climate. Now, you had some access in the winter, indoor access, albeit. But when you when you remove yourself from the game for a little bit, when you do get that opportunity in April. Oh, you're so hungry. Yeah, right. There's something to that for sure. Yeah. So um, obviously a little different going into college because it's a year round schedule. Right. Was that a transition for you? I know it was. Different for me coming spring golf into summer and then six months of hockey and then golf. I mean, going year round. Yeah. When that's your only deal. It was a, yeah. that big of a change for you. I remember like, and I don't know how well I remember it, but like in junior golf in high school, I don't think I like I never went to the sports bubble in the winter. Oh, yeah. So I would I mean, once the snow started melting and, you know, end of April or May, that's really when I started up. And I remember putting the clubs away in September. So I had a long off season growing up. And now we did have a net in our living room with a big (laughs) tire and a mat, which my mom loved. I'm sure. You know, formal living room, beautiful. Yeah. Big old net. Some people say no. swing circled old PVC pipe. <laughs> yeah, if you oh, remember, sure. that yeah. was oh yeah. So that was all in our living room because it was the only room with a high enough ceiling. Okay. And then down in the basement, we had a little putting green with you know carpet that rolled at about a ten or eleven. Yeah. Um, you know that's the important way to test carpet. I mean, most yes, right, golfers yeah. know that right. that if you're going to go to you know carpet garage, a little ad for carpet garage, yeah. um, bring your putter and a ball and see how the carpet rolls. Yep. Well, that's why shake carpet's not around anymore. Oh, too many golfers just <laughs> like I can't putt on this. Yeah. What is okay for chipping, but <laughs> yeah, that's true. yeah, you get a little corner of shake yeah. carpet. <laughs> so I, we had a little bit in our house that we could do, but like. I would, you know, swing maybe like five minutes a day. It was not, this was just more of a break from school. I want to, you know, move around. So going to college and then all of a sudden you're playing until the end of October and then you start up again in February. So you're practicing in January. Now all of a sudden you got at most six weeks to eight weeks off. Right. And that was way different for me. Um, 
I started to realize like how grateful I was for the break that I had, you know, growing up because you just get a break from it. You're refreshed. You're excited. You don't get burned out. And I'm like, I totally understand why, like, I went and played U.S. Kids at like maybe 10 or 11 years old. And it was our family vacation each year. And the girls that won that at like 10, 11 didn't even play college golf. They were so, you know, they were so good, so young. But then they just got burned out. And I was like, I get it now. So I still prioritized the little break. When I was in college, I'd put the clubs away at the end of October, um, start practicing in January, and give myself two months off. Sure. Recharge. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It worked in college. Very cool. Let's talk about your college career because uh, I believe you're the winningest NCAA player, female player. That's probably male player. The most wins of all time. Would That's, it be male yeah. and female? I don't know about that, actually. It's, it's 20, right? It's 20. 20. Wow. So on the female side, I can speak to that. Julie Inkster had the record before I did, and that was 17. So mm. I remember I won, like, on average five a year. But, like, my junior year, we kind of found out about the record. And then that became kind of the goal, right, is yeah. beat Julie Inkster's record of 17. And I was at 15 going into my senior year or whatever. And I had – Second place, second place, second place. I had so many second places my senior year. And I was like, can you just get over this hump? And I think that was when I was like at 16 or at 17, about to break it. And anyway, ended up breaking it. And then kind of the floodgates broke loose and I made it to 20. But yeah, I remember that being kind of just like one of those things where, you know, not that like whether your place in history or whatever, it was just a fun thing to work toward. Um, And yeah, kind of kind of a fun record to hold. That's, That's an awesome record. I you ever talked to Julie? Did she ever talk to you yeah, about it? Yeah, and then she asked how many LPGA wins I had. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, There's always something else. Yeah, right? you can't trash talk someone that's, you know, <laughs> right. a legend. That's right. pretty tough. So That would be tough. So, okay, so that was obviously, that's like record number one, 20 wins in NCAA history. I mean, names in the record books. But NDSU records, so I'm going to, I'm going to rifle through some of these NDSU records really quick because we'll see if it's really quick because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. I'm going to get through it. This is NDSU records. So start off, you've got the lowest 54-hole tournament. you got the lowest 72-hole tournament, which you're the only person to get a 72-hole tournament record on there is what I saw. Oh, because of the NCAA. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, because all the other tournaments are three three rounds and the NCAA tournament is four. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So there you go. Only person. Oh, hey. Boom. So then you got um, the next record of individual tournament victories in a season, five. You touched on it. You're first through fourth place in that. So it's Amy Anderson, first through fourth. Then you've got the top three and the fifth record in school history scoring average, 72.84, uh, 73, 73.1, 73.96. And then Natalie Roth's in fourth place, another great golfer. I got to play with her for a year. She's at 73.55. So top three and fifth school school scoring average and then the biggest ones for me were your best win loss percentage in your season so minimum 10 rounds you have all top four with 0.972 all the way to 0.948 and then minimum 30 rounds is 0.960 so those are all the so i don't even know what those mean so like out of 100 people you beat 96 of them oh okay gotcha okay gotcha you're beating yeah yes 96 percent of the people in every single tournament you play it. Too bad we didn't get paid for that. That's right. <laughs> you would think, right now with all these NIL deals. Right? You know, oh man. Do you think missed that, w- out? Would you have had an opportunity? Do you think do you think 
you would have taken advantage of that. Oh, for sure. With your, yeah, with the success that you had. And mostly, I mean, the Fargo-Moorhead community is so close-knit and Mm. supportive. And so I remember like when I turned pro, the opportunities that I had in sponsorship, which we can talk about as well, like what that was like, but I had offers just waiting for me. So I imagine if it had been an opportunity in college, could have, you know, maybe capitalized on those early, but you know, Heinz, I mean, you, you right. never, you never really know. Yeah. You can speculate it, all day. It's crazy. I mean, it, it was fun for me looking it all up and just, I mean, honestly, I left, I think two or three other records out of there and your name's just littered all over it. And it's just fun to go back and it's look at, at that and just see the success you had there. Yep. And I, I got to imagine the atmosphere around NDSU. I mean, that had to be a, a ton of fun too. Right. I mean, being an NDSU athlete, I mean, athletes talk, whether it's in the workout room or in dining center or whatever it is. I mean, that had to be in a great atmosphere. To be yeah. I mean, well, it started out. I remember sitting in applied Kelk my freshman year and telling someone I was on the golf team and they're like, we have a golf team. <laughs> so I don't know how much you got that. Like, yeah. at, you know, yeah. every once in a while you'll get that. But like, really, no one knew we had a women's golf team when I started. Um, and then I definitely saw that change. And even like when I would be in classes, you know, maybe my junior and senior year and people would be like, oh, yeah, I know you're the golfer or whatever. So it was like, okay, things changed a little bit, you know, even in that that time. Um, What was your question? Just I mean, the the atmosphere around NDSU and how that. Yeah, but my greatest regret, not greatest regret, because it worked out okay, (laughs) but. I knew who Grant Olson was. I was going there. My next question was. When he was star linebacker, (laughs) captain of the team, he allegedly knew who I was. But Mm -hmm. we never spoke when we were in college. No kidding. Never spoke once. Really? So, yeah, you know, the whole athletes talk and stuff. Well, not these two. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Because he's a record holder in his own. I think he holds most tackles in a game. 29 tackles in a game. Oh, my God. Which is insane. Like, I now watch when, like, his linebackers will be like, oh, they had, like, nine or ten tackles in a game. And they're like, wow, that was a great game. And I was like, you had 29? Like, did anybody else tackle anybody? Like, were you the only one on the field? (laughs) That's amazing. That is. That is crazy. When did you guys start to connect then if it wasn't in college? Yeah. So he went out to Wyoming with Coach Bowl Mm -hmm. as a grad assistant. That's kind of when he started his coaching career. I was in my like second or third year on tour um, because I graduated one year ahead of him. And we just started talking over Facebook. So we connected online and we were friends on Facebook because, again, like, I did know who he was and he knew who I was. Um, we had a ton of mutual friends, but we just never So had, in college, you never connected? We never, never connected. Were, wow. Yeah. And so he had written something about a missions trip he'd done in Haiti uh, over Facebook. And I was just like, wow, that's really cool. I mean, faith's always been really important to me. And I, I knew of his reputation and like he led the team Bible study at NDSU and, and that kind of stuff. So I knew about him and I sent him a message. So he says I chased him. <laughs> Which isn't all wrong, but What's anyway. Good. Well, I I've had that opportunity to interact with them a little bit at the golf course at Fargo Country yeah. Club, and uh, what a gentleman! I mean, the way he interacts with us and, and the staff at the time at Fargo Country Club, and and uh, just a, just a really really you know he seems faith filled fella, doing a great job with the NDSU football, and uh, obviously he's a good catch. So you're chasing yeah, him. I, that I, worked I married out. up. <laughs> yeah, right. And that that schedule that they have as coaches, oh, yeah. that's got to be 
you know, yeah, the season's done, but I'm sure it's a whole different world of recruiting and travel. And how do you guys manage your, your time together with your, your schedule too, is pretty crazy. Does he get some time when you are traveling to go to follow and, and be with you there and vice versa? Do you ever travel to games? Yeah. Yeah. We, um, we've kind of figured out, I guess, a rhythm. And honestly, sometimes we think like, it's probably better that we're both busy versus like one person be being busy sure. and one person, you know, kind of sitting at home waiting for the other one to get back from work like uh but but it it does work like the last two weeks actually I was on the road recruiting with him he recruits the Minneapolis area so I went down stayed with his mom because he's uh she's she's down there and he would kind of take day trips and I would practice and kind of do my thing and he'd be back in the evening so we find ways to spend time with each other he gets the entire month of July off so he always spends a couple weeks out on the road with me try to make at least a week out at the lake, um, together. And yeah, it's, it's a balance, but I think the biggest thing is we sit down with our calendars and we're like, here's our commitments. This is what we have to do. Um, you know, how can we prioritize? And we say no to a lot of stuff, sure. you know, cause it's just, you can't say yes to everything. Right. And, right. you know, as far as we're, we're extremely, both extremely supportive of e- each other's careers. And we know that they take a lot of time. Um, but still our marriage is first. And if ever anything gets in the way of marriage, we're saying no to that. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, you have that understanding and um, kind of figure everything else out. Now, how's his game coming along? Because I know he, he he had at the time a little passion for it. He enjoys yeah. playing. Right? Oh, he loves it. And he, he will tell you his equipment has gotten a lot better since marrying me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know about his swing. I, you know what? I really am tentative in the whole coaching endeavor, particularly with a spouse. And he wants me. He's like, give me drills. Give me information. I want to, you know, I mean, he loves to practice. There's nothing more than, you know, that he loves than going out to the driving range for an hour at night and just beating a hundred balls. Like he just loves it. Um, Unfortunately, I've already been out there all day. So I'm like, let's go play pickleball. (laughs) Ah, That's another subject I've got coming for you too. (laughs) So anyway, um, he loves it. And it's something we do enjoy doing together. And especially as a family, like we always try to make once a month where it's like my parents, my brother and his wife, and then Grant and I, we all go out and we play like three hole scramble, three hole best ball, three hole yeah. alternate shot and just have fun with it. So it's something fun that like Grant didn't necessarily grow up with it and Nathan's wife didn't grow up with it, but it's such a part of our family that they've really embraced it. And that's, that's, that's pretty cool. fun. That's good. So last thing I want to touch on as far as college. Career, oh yeah. We're still on college. Well, yeah. <laughs> And that's what this show does. We get off Love on it. tangents. It's great. But the last thing I want, so you had the opportunity to play in the Curtis cup. Yes. Um, on Team USA, and that's USA versus Great Britain, Ireland. Is it still Great Britain, Ireland? They haven't yep. opened it up to Europe, no, right? right? It's just still GBI, Great Britain. Yep. yep. So um, that was 2012, mm-hmm. right? And you were the youngest on the team, I think, that year, right? It would have been. Uh, possibly. I actually don't. I would have to verify that, but I think you might be right. You think? I think I saw it because you I mean, they've 19. certainly had younger players because, like, the quarters when they played, when Lexi played, like, sure. you know, they're kind of the prodigies but maybe in that particular year i was yeah but you had a winning record yeah three and two is what i saw and then that had to be a, a fantastic experience because you were over in was it uk or ireland we were in scotland, scotland the north part of nairn nairn i don't nairn. know yeah that had to been a pretty neat experience over there yeah it was i mean just being selected for the team was a huge honor i'd you know having won the girls junior and then qualified for the u.s open the previous summer kind of led them to select me which was just honestly a huge honor and especially coming out of North Dakota I remember we had our 
Curtis Cup practice. So like the Curtis Cup is held in June, but we had a team practice in January just to like bring the team together, you know, get everybody to know each other. And I'm like, January. I mean, I'm excited about seeing the warm weather, but right. like they might see me shank a shot. Yeah. Like yeah. this might not be pretty. So I remember going down there and I'm like, they are going to think like, why did this girl oh, get selected? <laughs> like bunker shots. I was like, don't hit it in the bunker. Um, anyway, so I remember that being, I was like, okay, this can be interesting. But you know, by the time it rolled around in June, I was in good form and everything. Uh, but it was, it was a really cool experience. We flew over there, landed in Edinburgh and then, we got to play Carnoustie the day wow. we landed, Oh, nice! Um, which I was a little jet lagged, but I still just remember it being such an incredible, you know, it's just, there's so much history there. Absolutely. Carnoustie is, and I now got to play it last year for the British Open. I mean, Carnasty is yeah, really yeah. an apt nickname <laughs> yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, that was really the first time for me, I think I'd ever been out of the country. So just to kind of have my eyes opened a little bit see the home of golf, see the history. Um, That was just an incredible experience. And then the actual event was phenomenal. I mean, the fans over there are so much fun. I mean, they know golf, they're knowledgeable and they're enthusiastic. They show up in droves. So being able to just, and there's like only three holes being played at a time. Right. Right. So like everybody that comes out is just surrounding those three holes. So even like to this day, I'm like, I haven't played in many atmospheres like that just because it's so centralized. And I was fortunate they played me in all five matches, which is very rare because a lot of times you sit one of the matches, like you play either three or four and they played me all five, which I was, I was, I was playing well. Um, I always felt like I was a really good partner in alternate shot. I play very consistently. I hit a lot of fairways. I don't necessarily hit it super far but I hit it long enough and so alternate shot fit me really well and some you know so they played me in alternate shot in best ball and you know obviously your individual day and that was it was a really cool experience my family came over um Dale my coach came over Matt came over my NDSU coach so it was yeah I just felt a lot of support and stuff too that week that is that is really cool and you touched on it where you said that you're a straight ball hitter and I don't think I've ever seen anyone hit it as straight as you. I mean, I've gotten the opportunity to watch it, whether it's around far country club or different uh, venues, but it is amazing how consistent you can be just through the bag. I mean, some people, they just love a driver. Some people, they love a wedge, Uh, but it seems like everything, I mean, it's like point and shoot for you and it's so fun to watch. Um, But with that said, talking with you earlier, it sounds like you're kind of working through another, uh, a swing change get you a little more comfortable over the ball when you go through something like that does does practice change for you like do you have expectations change as far as like okay instead of one shape you're going for another or how does that kind of work with yeah the well it's so funny to hear you talk about that because i'm like well that's not my experience but i see myself hit you know every <laughs> single every single shot i'm like i miss plenty of fairways um no like i would say most of the i've been through a couple major swing changes in my career um And each time it's been kind of by necessity, you know, like when I'm playing really well and I've played well with different swings, but when I'm playing really well, I do hit it really straight and I hit it far. Um, the first time I kind of went through a major swing change, uh, I was hitting it all over the world. I couldn't find a fairway. Um, and it was like, I got to do something different. And it was really hard at that point. I was working with Dale Helm and, you know, he was here in Mayville, North Dakota. I'm down in Florida during the winters, it just was getting really difficult to be able to spend adequate time. So I ended up changing coaches to Ron Stockton at that point and did 
yeah, really did an overhaul on my swing. Um, and then fast forward five years to kind of this last year, I'd lost a bunch of distance, wasn't hitting it as solid, kind of hitting the little, you know, skanky, thin Healy shot most of the time, which is not good for distance. Um, and so I'm like, you know what, it's time for a change again. And anyway, so every time I've gone through it, like I've seen the need, like I haven't been performing the way that I know I can. So every time you go through a change, you don't always know what is on the other side of it, but you know, you have to do something different. So that's kind of how I've always walked into it. And, um, swing changes are hard. Like what is ingrained, but it's crazy because your swing changes like without you knowing it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you all know this, right? Like you show up one day, you're like, this is, yeah, Yeah. doing the same thing I was doing yesterday. And you're like, why am I hitting this shot? And if you extrapolate that over, you know, months and months, all of a sudden these like weird habits get in there and you're like, I didn't try to do that. (laughs) So then you have to like undo it. So yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm fortunate enough to work with Mark and, and he gets to see a lot of my golf swings. And so then when you do take the break for hockey, like I did and come back, it was always, I got quick wrists because of the wrist shot. Yeah. But to me, it felt like a normal golf swing or it's like sometimes through the progression of a season and I start standing too close to the ball or something like little, little things like that where you don't even head, know you're doing yeah, it in your head. You're just yep. like, well, this is the, this is the same thing. And then you show up and I'm, you know, at world's end thinking it's the worst day ever having a terrible rain session. You're like, just take a step back from the ball. It's, it's hard though. You know, so I caddied for him at the, um, assistant national assistance championship in November caddied. I couldn't anyways, yeah, they, they put there. some restrictions. Caddies couldn't ride the cart, but his bag had to be on a cart. It was weirdest cat- oh. caddy job I've ever had. In my okay. Life. It was the easiest. He was like 50% on showing up half the time. <laughs> well, because I had to run to catch up to the cart. It was, it was bizarre. But anyways, the driver left him somewhere. Practice round, it was all right. He was doing a little different move because I hadn't watched you play much. Yeah. And I have a question for you at the end of the story. Yeah. I didn't watch you play much. First day you drove it all, practice round, you drove it fine. Last couple holes, maybe you got tired. It was November, so you hadn't played a lot of green grass golf. Um, first day, the driver got a little squirrely, and it was a tough, tough setup. So if you missed fairways, Bermuda grass that you're going to pay for it. And then the second day, the driver really left you. And I just noticed something in your setup, but it wasn't something where I was going to jump in there mid round and say, Hey, you should probably think about doing, doing this right. And in hindsight, maybe I should have, but you don't want to get in your player's head at all. So we go to the range after we day after we we had lunch or was it the day? I thought it was, no, it was the same day. We had some, we had lunch and a beer or two and let's go to the range I'm gonna, and we got them lined up and all of a sudden bang bang oh. bang and it's that's how fickle this can be right totally so my question to you is for a time i thought nathan really had a great understanding of what you're trying to do with your golf swing and when he was caddying for you if that was true did he ever like mid round or was it more between rounds where he'd say hey you might want to think of this or you're doing this what what was that like is, was that a fact that Nathan had a good understanding of your golf swing? Yeah, particularly when I was working with Dale because Nathan worked with Dale, yeah. you know, kind of all through his college career and everything. So he did really know what was going on in my swing. I remember like a couple particular sessions and it might have been like in a warm up for a round where I was like, Nathan, like, what do you see? Mm-hmm. Just tell me like. But he would never interject. I had to ask. Sure. So if, you know, if I was like, I'm just 
like, I think I'm going to figure out a field today that I'm just going to go with. Like he'd kind of stay out of it. But if I asked him, then he was going to tell me. Um, after the round, he was always a lot more willing to be a little bit more vocal. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, I saw this today. You just might want to try it. Uh, or in practice, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he would bring stuff up. So, yeah, it, it's a that's a tough balance as a coach to know, like, because honestly, a lot of times when you make a change, it gets worse before it gets better, right? right. Yeah. So, yeah, just trying to like, okay, are we just trying to play with what we got today? Or are we going to try to like make this change? Mm -hmm. The thing that I found, and this is even a transition from like college to professional, because in college you play, you know, maybe a two-day tournament, then you've got a week and a half off. You play another two-day tournament. Right. On, the, on the LPGA, you're playing three weeks in a row and you're playing four out of seven days. One mm -hmm. of them's a travel day. So most of your rounds are competitive and you only have a couple days to really make changes. So you all of a sudden have to be making changes during tournaments. Yeah, I was not wow. used to that at all. Yeah. So like I had to go from, like I would kind of cycle through swing thoughts and stuff like in college, like I knew stuff that I couldn't play with, you know, and I would do those on like off weeks. Then I would get to stuff that I'm like, okay, I can play with. I'm just fine tuning. And then I would have nothing in my brain during a, a tournament. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that when you're playing, you know, 25 weeks out of the year, four days right. out of, you know. So, yeah, that was another adjustment. That's mm -hmm. crazy. And I cannot believe that we're already up against the clock. Right well, I'm now. wondering if you're up to some bonus time. Let's Would do you, it. Because there's still some subjects we Let's have do to it. cover. Are you okay with <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. A little part two. Yeah. Yeah. We might Absolutely. turn this into two two podcasts. We might. We might. We might. Who knows? Okay. We got We got to. I can't believe we're already here again. But yeah, we got to take another break. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back from that break. Amy, it's just uh, tremendous how much information that we're trying to cover today in one in one sitting. You say you got to be somewhere by one o'clock. And it's like, oh, boy, we got to get through this. And um I mean, it seems like in the break we talked about more stuff we wanted to bring up, which is crazy how that happens. But Mark, you just yeah, to quickly touch before on. we transition to the professional, um, one event that I had an opportunity to watch you play in was the Pine de Palm, which yeah. is amateur tournament, huge amateur tournament in our area, where it's uh, traditionally it's been a men's tournament, and you 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 walked in there. Um, when when was that again? This was yeah, in your I'm career. trying to remember this. So this was. Right before I entered college. So it's like in August, like early August. So and I entered college two weeks later, three weeks later. So I was you just turned 16. 17. Yeah, I, I was had gonna just say, okay. turned 17. Wow. And I think, because that's another one, I'd been waiting for that age. Mm -hmm. You know, you, I played the Ironman tournament, you know, yes. that's always like alongside it. And everybody's waiting to turn 16 so they can play the Pine to Palm. And I don't think I played it at 16. I probably had a conflicting event somewhere, but played it that year. And I think I was the first girl to qualify for championship flight at that time, which that was my goal. I yeah. wanted to qualify for championship flight. And um, so that was pretty cool to accomplish that. Wow. And it's a great tournament. I, I love it. And it's so fun to just watch the level of competition that comes through there. And I think uh, personally, just having watched you again, I think that course fits your game really well. Right? Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, I don't know how sometimes the guys feel about it because it takes driver out of the long yeah. hitter's yeah. hand. Right. So I remember like stepping up on, 
what's the one kind of down the hill dog leg right is it hole five six 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 yeah that's how you hit driver and i can hit driver there and everybody else is like hitting a little squirrely hybrid or like trying to you know hit hit something and i'm like i can just stand up here and blast a little cut driver and so it's a fun course for a, a female to be able to play and compete with men without playing at different tees so i mean the course is such a great setup for that and how far did you make it I made it to the semifinals. Wow. Semifinals yeah. and you lost two? Tom Hoagie. Oh. Did you really? Uh, Mark, you knew like that? seven yeah. and six. I got <laughs> throttled. It was, I remember it was raining so hard that day. So you're getting no roll. Yeah. And all of a sudden now I'm hitting like seven iron and six mm. iron in and he's still hitting wedge. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm getting a little of what I was given the last few weeks. Cause that was right after I'd won the girls junior amateur yeah. i'd played in the women's amateur and then you know had a good run there and i was like okay buzzsaw <laughs> but not a bad name to lose to. no right 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 that's that's amazing and that's i enjoy, cool. i went out there and i watched you play a couple days and i i do specifically remember because i didn't watch you play for a long time and you hit driver on six and you knocked it on the green i'm like okay that's legit well you know what I will say, like one of the things I remember about that week, because you never know anytime you kind of do something a little bit different, you're a girl playing championship flight, whatever. You don't know how everybody's going to react. I have to say the guys were so great to me that week. Like okay. they all took it with such like lighthearted spirit. And they're just like, I don't want to be the only one to lose to a girl. So I'm rooting for you in the next round or whatever. Anyway, it was just so, it was so fun. And like, honestly, I felt like everybody was rooting for me. Like I felt no ill will. It was, it was such a fun experience. Probably one of my favorite weeks I look back on. I can't even remember if I've played like what other local tournaments I played since then. I mean, they all were guys. I played the KX4 and then I played the North Dakota Open. Um, I just haven't had opportunities, obviously, to play locally. So I think that was one of the best things was it's like I got to play in front of some family and friends that, you know, don't have the opportunity to travel and see me. Yeah, that's that's, cool. That's awesome. So jump into your professional career, um, you know, and and, uh, professionally, did you what was your first year on tour? 2014. 14. Okay, And that went from college. You went to qualifying school. I went to Q school in the, so I graduated from college spring of 2013, went to Q school fall of 2013. And then I was a rookie in in, starting in January. And there was no, you didn't have any status from your college. No, um, I went all the way back to first stage of Q school in Palm Springs, had to make it through first stage, second stage and third stage. And I think I finished fourth overall in the, the final stage of Q school. So I had really good status as because like it goes one through 20 in that order mm-hmm. from Q school. So like finishing higher is actually an advantage. Um, so I got into right away into the first event of the year in the Bahamas. Wow. And some of that to, to make it out there, you know, I guess we follow the men's men's game. We follow men's game a little closer than the ladies. But to, to have those opportunities, to get as many opportunities as possible. And then when you do have those, you know, you're going to play well for a certain period of time. And you parlay that into whether it's money or more opportunities, right? I mean, you just have to take advantage when you're, when you're hot and playing well, you got to run with it. It is so much about timing. Yeah. You know, there's so many people that have that ability and it's all about, are you playing well on the right weeks? Mm-hmm. You know, cause going out and shooting 64 on an off week doesn't do anything for you, unfortunately, mm-hmm. maybe give you a little confidence, but, um, 
you know, everyone's going to have, it's, it's a roller coaster. I mean, your success is never just a straight line. Right. Yeah. And so if you, you know, can play the big tournaments when you're on a little bit of a high, I mean, that that's a difference in a, a huge difference in your career. Did you find your success in that, in that junior amateur prepare you for the majors? Cause I think there was a major that you played maybe in college, Maybe yeah, the I qualified Open for the U.S. Women's Open in Denver or in Colorado. Junior year, yeah, in, at the Broadmoor, in where you had some success. Mm -hmm. Did did some of that success that you had as youth? I would imagine it did prepare you for some of that major golf. I think I think part of it is just the the confidence level of going out there, and you don't necessarily feel like you have to prove anything because you kind of already did. So you play with a little bit lighter of a weight on your shoulders. I would say that's the big difference. But when it comes down to performing at a major championship, it really comes down to your skills. You know, all of like U.S. Opens are set up so that you have to hit it straight. If you hit it long, that's a bonus, but you have to hit it straight. And you really have to be able to hold greens. Um, one of the challenges for me coming from college to the tour was like, I was hitting like this little low draw. That's kind of what, how I did was super consistent, yeah. but I'm hitting this low draw that just doesn't hold the greens. And I had to change my ball flight. Cause I'm like, I got to hit it higher and I got to be able to hit a cut to be able to get it closer to some of these holes. Um, and so like at, at the Broadmoor, the first two days I played pretty, I played really well and I was hitting it straight and it was soft. And then all of a sudden it started firming up on the weekend. And I was like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> like, I don't have this shot. <laughs> you didn't have that shape shot or trajectory exactly. that you needed. And that stuff yeah. you don't, like, I would have never known that that was such a big deal until I was in the situation. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I thought for a while that was kind of, I don't know if you and I had talked about that or if I read an article where you just, you kind of looked a year back and you went, you know what? My proximated hole wasn't what it should be. My rookie I, year, I had one top 10. And it was in Hawaii where it's super windy. Mm -hmm. So like my ball flight and my game favored windy conditions. Imagine sure. that being from Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> and I didn't have what it, what I needed for other courses. So that was part of, and that's part of the, just the evaluation and adjustments you have to make at every level that you, you, you know, kind of move on to. And you have to be willing to take some risks. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a, anybody take you under their wing when you got out there and somebody that kind of showed you the ropes a little bit, or was it just kind of, I had to you find it yourself? You are really on your own. People like, don't get me wrong. Everybody is phenomenal. Like you go ask, I, I could have sat down with Kari Webb. I, Stacey Lewis was my, um, kind of big sister on mm -hmm. tour. And I asked her, you know, just a few different questions and I honestly take more of advantage of it now than I did as a rookie. Cause you know, as a rookie, you're like, Oh, it's Stacy Lewis. And right. she's probably really busy. She was number one in the world at that point. Yeah. Wow. And so like, you know, she's not going to want to tell me about her putting drills, you know? Right. And anyway, so like now I ask people all the time and I'm like, what do you think about when you're doing this? Yeah. And honestly, people love to talk about it, but a lot of times we just don't ask cause we're in our little you know, kind of bubble. It's an individual sport. That's kind of yeah. like the way our mindset is. So I wish I'd have taken more advantage of that early. Yeah. Yeah. I got a bunch queued up. I don't know. I know if you I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it over to you. You got to get, get through a couple. Of yeah. We got to get through so. a few, um, fast forward 2014 to 2018, the Avion masters, right? Yeah. Is that what they, they call it? Yeah. Avion championship. Avion championship. Yep. Once it became a ma major, it was the Avion cha championship. championship. Yep. Um, you found yourself 
plan well. Talk us through that yeah. experience. Yeah. It, well, interestingly, Nathan was on the bag. Okay. So my, uh, I believe it was right around the time where my caddy had found out she had MS. Mm -hmm. So she's periodically has to go do treatments and she needed that week off. And my brother was more than willing to fly to France and caddy for me, wow, you know, yeah, imagine yeah. that. Uh, so anyway, he was on the bag and yeah, I just remember I was striking the ball really well that week. My irons were just on Evian is set up where you never have an even lie. So mm. it's built on the side of a mountain falls either above your feet or below your feet, or you're on a down, you know, and it really, it's just pretty much above your feet or below your feet, the way the holes go back and forth. So ball striking is of the utmost there. And it's also a very strategic course because if you're going to miss a green, you want to be on the low side of it. You know, it's on the mountain. Sure. So you want to be chipping uphill. If you're above the hole, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like I'd played it a few years. I knew where to miss. Um, and I really had good control of my misses pretty much all week. And so, yeah, really probably one of the best 71 holes of golf yeah. I've played in my life. Mm. Yeah. And, um, no. So like the final, I remember the final day, I think I had a, maybe a two stroke lead going into the day, if I'm remembering right. And played pretty solid. I was a little shaky, like on the front nine had a couple, like, you know, pars that I saved and then you know maybe like a bogey that I saved from being a double and maybe had a birdie here and there so I'm like pretty much even on the day going into the final hole and the final hole I mean it it was a par four that year every year since it's been a par five yeah mm, wow. and it's really a terrible par four but anyway I'll tell you how I really yeah, feel can about we back this up? yeah is this the first major that you've probably been in that position so earlier that year i was in the final group at the it, it, the dinah shore ana now it's the chevron championship okay. so the one out in palm springs yeah i'd played in the final group was that with stacy lewis no it was with um pernilla Lindbergh, okay. and pernilla won it that year um and i didn't have i didn't have a great sunday Okay, I remember very that. Mediocre, yep. finished top ten. Had like birdie, birdie finish to finish in the top ten. Yep. So didn't play great, but was interesting to be in the final group and mm -hmm. just see what that environment sure. was like. Yep. Um, so I'd had a little bit of experience with it, kind of yeah. just like sleeping on. I didn't have the lead, but I was really close to the yeah. lead, and I was in position. Yeah. So fast forward. Now you're on your seventy second hole, the most well, one of the most terrible par fours probably in in. Yeah, yeah, LPGA it, it, tour totally, history, totally. major history. Um, and truthfully, that particular, I mean, again, like I said, I've never, I really hadn't been in that situation a lot. So, like, I remember at uh, the first major of the year where I was in the final group, I'd watched leaderboards all day, and I found myself being like too caught up in it. Where am I at? Whatever. So, I had told myself, I'm not watching the leaderboard. I am just gonna stay in my game, stay mentally disciplined. And anytime I like, which is hard to do, like you have to be careful, like where you stand because there's leaderboards, whatever. Um, so I just made up my mind. I'm not going to look at a leaderboard all day. And so I, I didn't, and I didn't know where I was standing on the 18th tee, to wow. be honest. So did Nathan, Nathan did. He did. Yep. And had he, had I wanted to know at any point, like he has the information. Sure. Um, so all I had to do was ask. So I pull my drive left and I'm like, kind of, it's like a grassy you're like on a pretty severe hill, really thick grass. 
And I'm like sitting there going, I have no option other than to chip it sideways. So chip it sideways and it doesn't get out of the rough. It's kind of stays in there. So now I'm standing there going, I've got like, I'm like an eight to seven iron away from the green over water. Over water. Mm-hmm. Do I go for it? Do I not? Now I need to know what position I'm in. Yeah. So I asked Nathan, I'm like, what do I have to do? And he's like, you need to par to win bogey for playoff. Okay. So I'm like, I got to go for it. So I pull out my eight iron because I'm like, I'm just going to swing as hard as I can at this thing. And I, it was honestly one of the best shots that I think I've hit under that kind of pressure. And it lands front middle of the green and doesn't release. Yeah. And it just stays on the the front, out of the rough. rough, I'm like, I have no idea how that happened. So, and it's, and the the green, it's going toward the lake. So it really should be fast that direction. Anyway, so it stayed on the front half of the green and my putt, because it kind of slopes away, I hit it a little too hard. So I had like yeah. an eight footer coming back yeah. and I missed it, mm-hmm. you know? And then, um, yeah, so Angela ended up, she had finished maybe a group ahead of me or whatever. So she ended up, I didn't even know, like once I got done, I knew I didn't win. I had no idea who won. Sure, I had yeah. no idea who was yeah. in second yeah. place. Like I, like I truly did not watch a leaderboard Didn't all day. she play a great round of golf? To, yeah, so it was interesting because I, I, I remember hearing she doubled hole 16, which 16 is a brutal little par three and she doubled it and it was just distraught, but came back and either birdied 17 or yeah, maybe went birdie par. And anyway, so like she, yeah, she fought back from some adversity too. So something like that. Um, what's your personal, how do you, how do you take that? Are you use that? hopefully as motivation. How long does that sting stay with you? Do you let it go after dinner or is this thing lingered to the next event? Oh, that one lingered. That one lingered a lot longer, (laughs) but you know, definitely to use as motivation. I think like a couple ways to think about it. And, you know, part of it is encouragement that your game was there. Right. Right. And the ability was there. And like, you know, every part of you wants to finish it off. Um, and I'd be, I'd be lying if I said it doesn't still sting, like uh, to be able to say like major champion. Yeah. I'd like that. Um, but at the same time, like I will say in, in my life, like the thing that has carried me through, whether it's success or adversity, it is faith and it is perspective and like what matters in the eternal. And it's, it's not, it's not your accomplishments or your accolades. It's really like your relationship with God, your relationship with other people and how you treat people and how you handle these things, your character. So for me, it's been one of those things where I'm like, you know what? Yeah, that was really hard. Would I change? I I wouldn't change a thing that I did on hole 18. I wouldn't hit three wood off the tee. I wouldn't try to hit a better chip out, I guess. I mean, just execute. but it was just execution. So I don't look back with any regret on something that I could have done. Um, and so it's just a matter of you just go work harder, yeah. Yeah. you know? Well, and I, I'm glad you touched on it. We're all, we're all Christians here and mm-hmm. we're all faith-filled people. And, and the, the next um, fast forward again to 2020 mm-hmm. and that U.S. Open. And I think the whole country, the whole world watched that event and uh, was witness to just I, I, that in, in to me, it transcended golf. And mm-hmm. I think you probably even spoke to that uh, post round. Um, and for those listeners uh, that, that weren't aware or what we're talking about is, you know, just tragically Grant's father, is it Lee? Lee, yeah. Lee 
passed away suddenly. Yeah, Saturday it, night. Saturday night. So yeah, we. I mean, of the tournament. Of the tournament, right. So of the U.S. Open. So interestingly, this was during COVID, right? So our U.S. Open, which is usually in July, is played in December this year during COVID because everything got pushed, right? right. So I'm teeing it up in Houston, Texas in December. And I can't. And and, and Grant didn't have a fall football season. Right. Because of COVID. So they played in the spring, right? So he had, he was able to come down for the weekend. So he flies down. He shows up Saturday, watches me play Saturday. I have a great round. I think I was, I mean, again, I I don't even remember these things, but like I was either tied for the lead or like one back going into the final day. Well, you had a hole in one the first day. I had a hole in one the first day. Yeah, (laughs) which was fun. In a U.S. Open. In a U.S. Open. I'm like, okay, we're good. Um, And then Grant flew in on Saturday and... Yeah. Anyway, so long story short, I finished my round on Saturday. We go back to the hotel. I picked up dinner on the way to, to, and he was already back at the hotel and I walk in and for the first time in our marriage, I'm seeing him crying Mm. and I'm like, something is very wrong. Cause like that doesn't happen very often. And so anyway, he just tells me that, you know, his dad had a heart attack and it's on the way to the hospital. So we are just waiting to hear Mm any sort of update. So yeah. So Saturday night we find out that he didn't make it. And I mean, talk about just the longest night. And I mean, the last thing I'm even thinking about is the fact that I have to tee it up the next day. Um, and yeah, so we kind of sat through, we got up Sunday, make our way to the golf course and it happens to be just pouring rainy, Mm -hmm. stormy. So we actually didn't tee it up on Sunday. And we had a whole nother day and finished it on Monday. Um, Grant ended up flying back on Sunday, so he didn't see me finish. Um, So, yeah, just, I mean, one of those things, there's never a good time for tragedy to happen. But dealing with that, like kind of in the public eye and you're you're in contention. So every media source is trying to find out what happened. You're just like, I just we just want to grieve privately. Like that was a really, really difficult thing to walk through. Yeah, I really none of us can imagine that other than if you go through that mm-hmm. was there you know was it encouragement from grant to say hey you, you need to play finish this tournament did you ever think about yeah maybe i should withdraw uh, and did were people like judging you whether or not oh she stayed and played or yeah well we was, i mean we really tried to keep it as quiet as we could on sunday and grant and i talked through the different options and he's like Lee would want you to play. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and that was what we heard from his mom, from his brother, like everybody that honestly at that point mattered to me, their opinion all said to play. So I didn't even have to think about that. Um, and yeah, so anyway, that, that really wasn't, wasn't in the question. Um, the, the real question was whether Grant was going to stay and watch me or if he was going to be back. And I just told him like, I want you back with your mom. Like I, I'm okay, but you need, that's where you need to be right now. Right. Um, and so that was kind of the major decision and yeah, like Monday, it was one of those things where again, like mental discipline, I was like, I can't even think about what's going on at home. I can't think about like, if my mind is going to go there, I had like replacement thoughts, what I'm going to think about instead. Weren't you, didn't you sing on the golf course? Yeah. So I had a song I was singing. (laughs) Yeah. I was singing Josh Grobe and, um, you raised me up. Um, which oh, ironically cool. is the same song I had in my head when I won the girls junior oh, back okay. in 2009. And it, and it just came to you. And it just came to me. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it was, yeah, 
That's a powerful um, song. Yeah, it is. And at that time, it that's... really is. Hmm. So, um, yeah, just one of those that honestly, the Lord carried me through and helped me hold it together and do what I did. I mean, I can't, I honestly, even now I'm like, I can't imagine if I had one. I don't know if I could have, I could have handled that. Yeah. That would have been, it would, it would have been two such extremes of emotion. Yeah, right, It'd right. be like, I, 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 yeah, I just, I truly don't believe it was meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we get into that, that final round and I don't know, were, were you stroke back or leading? I, I think mean, it was a stroke back going into it. If I remember right. But definitely in the final, yep, you're in the final, in the final pairing and all that stuff. Yep. And I had the lead I, I, at, at the at, turn at the, yeah, I was going to mm-hmm. say at time. So, I'm sure there's way more to it than this, but the the one hole that I remember that golf is such a fickle game. You hit a shot on 16. It was a par three, and it oh, landed. Yeah. It seemed to land right where it should, and it just released, mm-hmm. and it ends up just you know U.S. Open rough, and you you, you don't get it up and down. Right, You're probably going right. to only get that ball up and down maybe half the time, anyways. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that that hole? Yeah, because you you hit it. Yeah. You hit the shot you had. Oh, I had 187 yards to the flag. I am right in between a five iron and a hybrid. But a five iron, I have to hit a low draw with, like a just power draw. Because it's cold as well. Remember, we're like 55. I mean, it's like 50 degrees. Like I am in so many layers, stocking hat, vest, gator, like the whole thing. So I'm like, that's not the shot because it's tucked over a bunker. So I'm like, I got to hit a super high cut. This is like literally what I've changed my game for, right? A really high cut hybrid and it lands right where it has to, Mm. but it's firm, lands on a little bit of a down slope and shoots over the green. So, I mean, I look back and I'm like, I hit such a good shot there and I don't know what else I can do. Yep. Again, that's what I'm just like, I don't think it was meant to be like it, it, it nestles up right against one of those little patches of Bermuda where you can't get on the back of it. Mm-hmm. And everywhere else there is bare and it's like right on this little patch. OK. And yeah, it didn't get up and down. But truly, like I look back at that at that round and I'm like, I started very poorly. Like I think I started par bogey bogey or something and then had a string of birdies, mm-hmm. brought it back. I'm like, that was one of the best rounds of golf I've played in my life. Mm-hmm. And Alem Kim, who ended up winning it, finished birdie, birdie, birdie yeah. to beat me yeah. that round. That was right. Yeah. I birdied the last hole. Like, yep. you know, there's just one of those, like you did everything. You laid it all out on the table and she finished better. Yeah. 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 And, and you had perspective afterwards. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, remember exactly yeah. what you said, but, and of course you're going to be in that situation, losing loved one yeah. that ultimately this what I'm doing here. Talk about putting things into perspective. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, matter. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, for sure. So I really, uh, and I admired you after that and how you handled that. And I think Agreed. the whole world yeah. did. And you gained a lot of fans, yeah. you know, um, not just, I just feel golf. bad. Cause when every, everything, everybody remembers me from, I made them cry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm really a fun person. <laughs> oh. That's good. Okay. And then one, I got to ask the question. We're already over she, it, so you got to get one more. Hurry. She's got another. Who's the best pickleball player in your family? 
Well, me, of course. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Grant won't long. listen to this, right? Yeah. <laughs> and your mom plays well, too, right? She does, yeah. We have a lot of really good pickleball players. And it's in our just a side game that you picked up that's. Yeah, mom started us in it all and started getting us paddles for Christmas, you know, subtly pushing us into it. And here we are, true addicts. Fantastic. I love yeah. it. So if she's not on a golf course, she's on a pickleball court. No question. And she's probably going to beat you in both of them. So yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I know we kept you a little longer than we might have promised, but and it still feels like we could talk forever about, about it all. So, again, thank you so much. Absolutely. For this was a pleasure. Thanks and best for of having luck me. going forward. Thank you. Yes. We'll yeah, what's the plan? Yeah. Just oh, yeah. real quick, what's your plan uh, this first year? First tournament will be in April in Hawaii, so that's kind of be okay. my kickoff nice. to the season. It's a good spot to start. Absolutely. A warmer in That's here right. too. So, all right. We still have to get some DFS. We're going to touch it about as quick as we can. It's going to be the longest podcast we've ever had. But, um, no, it's going to be It's a great show. So, again, thank you, Amy, for, for coming on. And that's Amy Olson now, not Amy Anderson, but uh, Amy Olson. So, again, thank you, and uh, we'll be right back after this one. All right, gents, we're back. Ladies and gents, I guess there are gents in the room. Um Wow, what a, what an interview with Amy. I think that's, it seems like every week we have a guest on, we could go forever, but that one it legitimately felt like we could go forever. I mean, her experiences on and off the golf course and the type of person she is is just fantastic. Yep. I, I just love sitting down and, and talking with her. It's pretty cool. Um, but moving on, we got golf to play this week. Last week's tournament was a great tournament. Again, like I said, that's when I get the itch. I've got the itch to go play golf now. Tory Pines. It was a great finish. Um, had a little bit of everything in there as far as uh, some some drama, some come from behind win. Uh, Max Homa ends up taking it down. Which Mark, was he on your team? Mark? He was on my team. Yes. Yeah. So nice, nice pick nice. there. Thank yeah. you. Um, I mean, he was flushing it all week, and John Rahm made it exciting in there too. After was he one over two over at one point, and then his next it, two rounds yeah. were. And Jeopardy five, missing the cut at one point, but yeah, he, he went battled. five under his last yep. six holes to make the cut. Yep, and then he was in second place going into the last day. I mean, it was like that's let me this down. Guy never cut or Saturday. Yeah, he did not, did not play. He was on my team too. Yeah. yeah. Um. Say, so did you guys catch Homa in the in the live? They had him mic'd up. Yeah, I, I saw the replay of it. That's a neat idea. On Friday, right? Was that Friday? Friday's uh, round, yep. second to last yep. round, trying to make yep. cut. Yep. Just how calm he was with it. I mean, you know, I th- like I think we talked yesterday about he's probably the perfect guy for that. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But the insight that that you know, and they need to pull out the right question, ask the right questions. Yeah. But it was more about, um, you know, how is he playing this hole? And it was the the thirteenth hole par five? Par that five. It's really difficult because it it it's long, and then the layup's not easy because it's a small fairway. Then you got to go all the way back up the hole, and Max articulated it really well. In that, like, yeah, if I go for it, I got to be concerned about where my miss is at because if exactly. you miss in the right wrong yep. spot, yep. I mean, all of a sudden you're fighting for bogey, right. and and to hear a player kind of walk through that, all while maintaining that's kind cool. of a, a cordial conversation, like a lighthearted conversation about it. That was that was really cool. I agree. I liked what they were doing there. Yeah. Yep, and it's fun, you know, for listeners out there that play golf. None of us are at the level of that tour player, but to listen to him talk about his miss. Yep, you know, it's not about okay, I'm going to stuff this from two. I don't know what he had, two fifty, two sixty. Yeah, ways. Yep, I'm not trying to stuff this into the 
pin. That's a happy coincidence. If this ball ends up close to the hole, it's about where am I hitting this? Yep. If I'm, if, and he knows his miss, where's this going to end up and leave me for my next shot. Yep. Right. And as you get better in this game, it's not about, it is about the shot you're hitting, but it's about the leave you have for your next shot. Mm-hmm. And even the shot after that, especially if you get in trouble yeah. on the golf yeah. course. Okay. How do I get out of trouble? And what does that leave me instead of trying to be a yep. hero? And because I can, I think I can pull off a shot. Anyways, yep. a little bit of golf theory there on right. how to play the game. Another no, time. But so my really question, my question to you guys, and, and we're going to broaden this out to past and present, but is there someone on tour that was on tour, right? Legend that you would want to hear mic'd up like that walk through? Is there someone that just jumps? Out? Well, Jack Nicholas, I think he was the first game manager and he combined that with power for his era. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was powerful, but he also thought his way around the golf course. So that's a simple, mm-hmm. simple answer for me. Mm-hmm. But Jack, Chuck, mm-hmm. you got anyone in? Well, the obvious, but he, I'm taking into account he would never do it as Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you got to factor in <laughs> he's the likelihood yeah. of somebody doing oh. it. Um, boy. Yeah. Jack is solid. I'm just character. Fun guy would be like a, a John Daly or a John Daly would be Trevino good would be fun. Trevino. So that was my, I was going to say oh, Trevino. Sorry. Just I've, from the clips I've seen where like hot mics pick him up near tees and yeah. stuff, I think he'd be hilarious. Yep. Plus he's talking about shots where it's all feel base, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, shaping the, the shot right. and feeling it. I think that would be phenomenal. Um, but I, you know, if you throw that one out, did, um, I've seen Jordan Spieth. People yeah. really want to hear Jordan speak because he's kind of a mental you know, oh yeah, he'll, he'll walk well, just the everything. interaction between him and his caddy, right? Yeah, any of those that's are a gold show too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is a show. You can yeah. definitely have a. I but Homa, I mean, you heard his interaction with his caddy when it yeah. was go time. Yeah, you know they they talked through. Amy talked about what a caddy says when they say it, yeah. when they don't say it. You know, reaffirm what the players talking about. You you saw that on that hole yeah. as yeah. well when he was mic'd up. It was just there's a lot of interesting. I'd totally watch that 15 minutes of Agreed. golf coverage again. Yeah, I, I guess. You know, thinking, uh, I'm thinking back. I think Rom would be an interesting guy now because that guy goes through the roller coaster of emotions on the course. It'd be fun to hear him and what he's saying. Did you see, did you yeah, guys watch was, Saturday when he was struggling? I, yeah, I watched yeah, it. I saw, I saw yeah. Yeah. there was a couple times where he looked like he wanted to break the wedge, but he held back. <laughs> That's the old John Rom. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he let the old John Rom sneak out of there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited. I hope they implement that a little more. It'd be interesting as you go Agreed. course to course. And if you do have a Max Homa on there again, yep. if strategy changes, you know, if you can see a, yep. a trend, I, you know. I tell you what, I, I know who I'm betting on this weekend when I'm in Vegas for the Masters, Mr. Homa. Tiger Woods. I, I need to look because I think I have put, I might have put something on Homa back. Uh, if you did, back that's November. That's really good then. Yeah. I don't think I did. I got Rory, who also won in that's Dubai a, this last that's week. That's awesome. Yes. All right. Um yeah, so great tournament. So as far as DFS results, gents, Mark, you had the champ. You had Max Homa. That had to count for something, right? What and I had it? John Rahm. And you had John Rahm. Where's your points total at then? A measly 347 because I had three players miss the cut. I oh, think yeah, Stallings was it. thinking about the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> was that the wrong Stallings playing? <laughs> and uh, my Hoffman pick, um, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a reputation – my guys played great the first round. He was four under 68 the first round. He shot 80 
the second Ouch. round to miss the cut. You got to do some one day Hades. Some dailies. Yeah. So I'm out. 347. 347. Chuck, where are you at? You had John Round. You know, I had, I've had five or six make the cut. Um, I only ended up with 360, though. I had, uh, Rom was my, my top guy at, at T7. So 360, LJ. Yeah. That leaves me. Uh-oh. I had John Rom. Jason Day was hot, boys. He, yep. Uh, That's a good pick. He ended up hitting it in the water on 18 round three, which cost me. He was one over that round, but T7. Luke List was respectable. Top, I only had one guy, uh, Will Gordon, miss a cut. Right? Well, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you and I both had five or six. Yep, I had three ninety eight fifty. Nice makes me the screaming yeah. goat of the week. Well, we had now we had Steve. Oh yeah, we had a pop in. We got the pop in. What the? Put yeah. your arm down. Put okay. your arm down, Hang LJ. On. Well, I noticed he's not here. Well, he's working, man. Okay, he's got stuff going on. All right, what do you get? What do we got? Well, I you would think a guy like me would be prepared. Be prepared. I know for what that. he has. I know what he had too. So what was your total? More than his three sixty. He was three fifty-eight. That's right. Let's go. Give me that go. A third for the new guy's not bad. Three fifty-eight. He got beat by Thank a couple you. couple deacons. There we go. So we appreciate Steven coming on the show. Yep. Not the bad deal, for a first first, first attempt. If he uh if you if he did win, we were gonna invite him back, but yep. the chair is empty. Chair chair is empty. I've got the goat. Mark's in last place again. That's mm-hmm. tough. <laughs> <laughs> we used to keep a running total of wins. I think I've, I've got five or six. I've got two with a goat. Yeah. So I think I've got three now because I've got. <laughs> because I've got. <laughs> okay, we're going to give you three? Yeah, because I, I want the first one I know. I have Crickets. S- since since <laughs> when did we start keeping track? <laughs> Crickets. Yeah, All right, here we go. Stuff. This is your week. Yep. Pebbles, this, this is your week. Look at him over there grinding. <laughs> you did say this This is the time you get yeah. excited for golf, right? Let's talk about Pebble, huh? So, well, so it's a three-course layout. We're back at a pro-am structure. So we mm-hmm. got uh, Pebble, Spyglass, and Monterey mm-hmm. Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck kind of goes back. It's tough because shot length, the data is only there for Pebble again. That's right. Um, so it is tough to kind of take a analytical approach at it because they, they are playing um, – the three courses, but it is amazing to me because we kind of talked, touched on it a couple of weeks ago, Monterey Peninsula, they got hammered by some storms. They did. Like Monterey Peninsula, the golf course was actually underwater. Yep. Yeah. And it, now they're playing a tour event on it. Yeah. The country club there, one of the holes, it's, there's the high, the, the beach, the two lane highway and a green. I mm-hmm. mean, there's not much, separating it from the from the ocean matter of fact i think there might be one hole that is on the ocean side of the road so yeah it just just can't afford any high waves yeah it just got destroyed by some waves but now they're back and it looks great i mean they did a fantastic job um which kind of comes back to it's an interesting because the course they play on the weekend pebble beach is not the most difficult course. That's not why they're playing it. Spyglass is actually the most difficult is what I had yep. on there. And Mark, have you played Spyglass? I have played Spyglass. The first four holes kind of lull you into thinking it's going to be a beachside dunesy course, and then they throw you up into every hole. It seems uphill, like a Brainerd course, but more Sasquatchy. I mean, it's like you got to be careful. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> and I mean, the I've trend at these three courses, courses are small greens yep 
everything's just smaller. And I think it's spyglass hole three that's like the greens as wide as this table. The front of the par five, I think it's a par five. Uh, doesn't matter. Um, no, it's not a par five. It's a par four. But the front of that green is not very wide. And to say it's as wide as this table is pretty accurate. Which they're hosting a tour event there. I mean, it's cool. It's cool. It's the front, the front of the green, and then it narrows, and then it goes up into a wider. So it's like oh. a hourglass, but the bottom of that hourglass is super small. Tiny. And the flag stick was there the day I played it. Which, if listeners get the opportunity, come on out. We do have Pebble Beach and Spyglass um, on both Top Tracer and Full Swing Simulators. I've been on Full Swing Simulators, and they're fantastic. I mean, awesome. Graphics are great. We should play it. Booty and I. Hammer down the the calibrations. They're they're phenomenal right now. So ton of fun. So that's where my course history is coming from. Is uh, my laps around there on the sim. Okay. Um, but Chuck, talk about. I mean, course history, tournament history is important on this one, obviously, because again, it's the pro am setup plus. Yep. yep. Um, just knowing the golf course helps out again with the smaller greens, where to position yourself. Absolutely. They are angular golf courses. So you got to have better angles, right? You got to miss it in the right spots. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's not overly long course. It's 7,000. I think all three of them are play around 7,000. So they play longer brings, than that, but, but it brings um, all players into it, into the, yeah. the mix here where you don't need the bombers. Uh, hitting fairways, stroke screens off tee is going to be a key stat. Uh, short or wedge players, typically, if it's a wedge fest, mm. so the 100 to 150 uh, is a key stat that I'd be focused on, hence the hoagie. When you look at strokes gained uh, with wedges, he's top of the list, yeah, and that's, that's why, why he's, so well he's defending champ. Um, the other key stat I would look at is strokes gained around the green. Mark, you played the course, but I, from what I've read is uh, some of the misses, you got to be able to get up and down around these greens, and those that are capable of doing that and gain strokes around the green are going to have a little leg up. Um, and it's POA again. Mm. So POA putters. I don't know if that's on just Pebble or of all three, but I, they were talking about Pebble this morning being POA. I think it's probably on... The Monterey Country Club, is. They went, they went through a golf course renovation a few years back, and they probably... You know, when they when they do that with the greens, it's bent grass greens and you get rid of the POA for a li little while. And then eventually it comes back because the seeds are actually carried on the shoes of players. Sure. So that's so how it's spread from golf, yeah. golf course, golf course. So I bet those greens are probably pretty pure yet. Yep. But the other two, because they're older greens, likely have plenty of POA. Okay. So getting into you, it. I, you, you talked about it. My last piece yeah. is just really small greens, right? And, and yeah. that stroke gained. Um, I think the key there is hitting fairways. So I'm going to be focused, for me, I'm going to be looking at uh, strokes gained off tee. Yeah. And getting into it, it is a, a weaker field than previous years. Um, I think Dubai's getting a lot of draw right now. Um, and so they lost some players over there. But you're looking at one top 10 player, three top 20s, and 10 top 50s, which is down from last year a little bit. But um, the one player that's making some noise, Jordan Spieth, is going to be back. If you guys remember last year, he almost he did the death-defying Mm -hmm. Stunt of a golf swing on, on the ledge. Is that eight yep. at yep. Pebble? Yep. Yeah, that scares me when I see him now. From some of the angles that they show that, yeah, I mean that's and for a golf shot. I don't do well with heights in general, mm -hmm. like a ladder and things like that. I do remember that hole 
where it was, I made sure that I went straight back to the cart path. Cart path only on that hole? Mm-hmm. I mean, I hit my shot. I wasn't anywhere near that cliff. Yeah. But I knew enough that, you know, they have had people, this was back in the day, drive off that cliff. Oh, my goodness. In a cart. I think they unfortunately did have some Jeez. folks lose their lives. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I recognized that that was an area that could cause my demise, and I stayed far away from it. So for Smart. from him to play a golf shot from there, yeah. that's nope. crazy. He made par. He didn't even make birdie. Hmm. Um, so, but he's back. Yep. Yep. Get, I got Tom Hoagie's back, reigning champ. Um, Seamus Powers making some noise. A lot of people are liking Seamus back in the mix. He was uh, the 36 hole leader last year. That's right. And then he had a yeah. kind of ended up top 25, but he was the leader. He's yep. got game for it. Yep. yep. And then uh, kind of a dark horse was this uh, David Lipsky, mm-hmm. who played well earlier in this season. He didn't play well last week, but they're looking for a bounce back. He plays well on these similar courses. Um, so that was kind of a dark horse horse pick for the tournament. Um, Chuck, I don't know. I'm probably missing a few things well, in there, but I think you know I, I always like to look at who they got marked in that day being DraftKings as the top tier ten thousand and above or ten thousand, yeah, ten thousand yep. above. There's only four this week, which is odd. I mean, usually because and that speaks to the talent pool, if you will. Right. Those are going to be the most owned. Because that's where people like to they see it as the winners, if you will. Those guys are most most likely to win the tournament. So I focus on it. Okay, if there's only four, who's going to be the highest owned? And it's you got Spieth, top, Victor Hovland, Fitzpatrick, and then Hoagie in that order. Mm-hmm. I think most people know name, so they're going to go Spieth. Yep. Then they know Victor. I think Fitzpatrick's sneaky. I, I'm going to put my I'm going to put my stock in him and Hoagie. That's how I'm doing my deal. I think of the four names there, yes, people are going to look and go, oh, Hoagie won here before. But from a name recognition, Spieth and Hovland, I think people are going to be all over yep. that. So I'm going to go the other route and go Fitzpatrick Hoagie in that deal. Not to tip my hand on my lineup, but that's where I'm starting on the 10K. Do you have both of them on your yeah. roster? Ooh, yep. two yep. heavy hitters. I think one of, those, one of those four is going to win this. I'm going to try to go with the, those two that's, guys. That's I, a heavy, heavy lineup there. I think Fitzpatrick might be the best player in the field, and he's third most expensive. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Well, before we get into yours, because I am the reigning screaming goat. Oh, yeah. Me, you get to go. I'll go first. So I get mine. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on Tom Hoey. And basically, my overall theme this week was cut makers, um, with it being a three-day cut instead of the two-day um, and, and course history. So I'm, I'm leaning on Tom Hoey, 10,000. He had a week off, so he's going to be – well rested going into his mm-hmm. his uh his defend defense here. Then I went with uh, Ben Griffin who had a great week last week. Um he's up at eighty six hundred now, which I think is up from uh other other rounds he's played in. I did pick up on the dark horse of David Lipsky. I think he's a value pick at eighty two hundred. Um and he and he does fit a lot of the models as far as strokes gained off the tee approach um and recent form. And then another guy, he actually rounded out my budget as I was doing it, but Trey Mullinax. Um, and a fun fact about him is he has not missed the cut here in, in five years. Is that right? It's good. Fact. What's his value? What's he replaced? He's at, at? 8,100. Okay. So he's yep. been playing okay, and then he has never, or he's never missed the cut here. Um, and then Russell Knox, I got at 7,500 as a cut maker. And 
Grayson Sig is another cut maker at 75, or I didn't even write him down. What is he? 7,300. Um, mm-hmm. who's, he's playing better. Um, he's played in recent tournaments, and he makes likes to make some cuts. So Yep, I've had him in my lineup a couple weeks ago. He is a cut maker. Locked him in. That's my lineup. I like that. I believe you're up next, Chuck. All right. So you heard my first two. I'm going to go a little stars and scrub, as they call it. So mm-hmm. a couple top guys, and then I had to find value. So I'm going uh, Fitzpatrick as my top guy. And then I got Hoagie. Then I've got to find some value. So I'm going to go Mr. Tway. Tway. Yeah. So if you go. How how value. <laughs> Kevin Tway, he's played the last two weeks, and he's made the cut both weeks. Okay. He's made four straight cuts, and he tends to play a little better on the West Coast mm. and any, than anywhere else. So he finished uh, T18 last week in the Farmers. Oh, nice. So That's I'm going to bank on just nice. a little what's, bit of momentum. What's his value? 6,900. Oh, good pick up there. Thank you. Uh, then one guy that was injured and uh, is making a little recovery is Lanto Griffin. Oh, you guys sure. remember last He's year? Great yep. band from the 80s. <laughs> he had a... <laughs> He played last week, first back. Uh, he finished T37, shaking off rust. So I'm going to bank on him He's gonna coming back into form. Yep. yep. Nick Taylor It's another guy. He's got course history here, strong course history. He likes West Coast. He's made three cuts in a row. And then my last guy, I had Higo, but I like the SIG call. Yeah. Yep, I'm going to pivot. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback <laughs> off of your idea there and you did a little more research on cut makers. What was his course history on this one though? Do you had he played here? I hadn't seen I hadn't seen uh that one. Let me let me pull him up here. Oh, I just deselected him. How's that sound? You know what? I'm gonna stay true to myself. I'm gonna stay with Mr. Higo. Forget it. Higo's a cut maker too. I like what I see there. He finished Last week, T50, but the week before that, T11. So there's my team, guys. All right. I like that. So your value picks, you were looking at, and they played well lately. Yeah. That's Re- what I'm last recent month. form. Yep. Recent form yep. value picks. Mm. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Only tonight so I can afford the two guys that I think one of them is winning this thing. Yep. Okay. I, I like the Fitzpatrick pick, actually. I think he's going to play well. You know what I'm really excited about? The fact that. My guy that's going to win this tournament, you guys don't have on your teams. Either one of them. You got Victor? I have the winner. And I'm going to go on a streak where I'm going to pick the winner each week. Oh, I like this. So, all right. You're home last week. Yep. Yep. You're right. Can't argue with that. Maverick McNeely. Mm. This is your winner? Is winning (laughs) Pebble Beach. (laughs) (laughs) What's his value? He's a Stanford guy. Nine something. 9,600. He played well last year. He was in the mix. He's mm-hmm. been in the mix multiple years at Pebble. Mm-hmm. And he just hasn't finished it off on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. This is this is his year. Okay. All right. Flip it. McNeely. Here we go. All right. And then I also had Hoagie. I just, you know what? Um, defending champion. Yep. Be surprised if there's not some success. Uh, I went with Kisner. Yeah. Kevin Kisner. Nice. Kisner. Bulldog. He is a bulldog. He's got course experience there. He's been he's been there before. Uh, another guy that's a bulldog, Brian Gay, sixty five hundred value pick. The guy he's a seventeen of eighteen cuts made. He's had six top tens. Okay, are you kidding me? 
Brian Gay. Wow. All right. Yep. And he's played there a ton. Okay. A ton. All right. Um, and then for my two, I'll say a flyer, but um, is it Detry? Detry? My guy, Dietry. Thomas. Yeah. Is he on true. your team? No, but it's okay. who I've been running with. Okay. He's solid. He's got five top tens. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's All been right. on my team What's for the last four weeks. 8,800. Yeah. So he's not cheap. Um, and then this guy played well last week at Torrey, but he had a crummy. He was in the final pairing. I had never heard of him before. Goya? 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 Goya. Yeah, Goya. G-O-Y-A. He was in the final mm-hmm. pairing? I think he was. Uh-huh. Maybe not final pairing. Uh, okay, maybe he wasn't. Ryder. No, that was wrong. Yeah, Ryder. Ryder. Rom and, uh, you know, maybe. Anyways, he's um, Argentinian, okay. I believe. And he comp- he held himself together. He didn't play well that final day at Torrey, but he played great for three days previous. He seems hungry to me. He's in good form, other than he had a bad bad final day. I think he's going to parlay that into some good golf this week, and he was only uh, 6,600. Wow, okay. <laughs> so I talked myself right. into that guy. But he had a, I, for sure it was a top 10 finish. Well, maybe not top 10 last week. Click on his name. You can see exactly where he finished. Just click oh. on the symbol or his name, and then go over to Course Law. Or, there you go. Yeah. Game there log. You oh, here you go. Farmers open. Uh, Might explain he's never, never, never used the app before. Oh, he shut. <laughs> Oh, oh, he went 79, 76 on the weekend. <laughs> Final pairing. 53rd. I mean, first. I might have these first off. Yeah. First I might off. be confused with a different <laughs> yeah. guy. Uh, no, I love goodness. your, I love your. Yeah, no, pick. good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we well, did play well the first two rounds, including a 67 on the south course. Oh, boy. It's great googly movie. Right. Back checked right on the show here. All, All right. right. Well, so. Now that he knows how to work the app, he's going to be solid. Oh, you press that button for more information. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Good I luck, the boys. Argentinian right, though. He is from Argentina. Right. You read the flag. I got that going for you. Well, those are some solid lineups. Again, I'm excited. This is always a great tournament to watch as well. You get the celebrities in the mix, uh, a little bit of everything in there. So this will be some good, good golf to watch. Back to mm-hmm. normal Thursday through Sunday. On um, some daily plays, yep. historically Pebble, I think, will play the easiest or maybe the Monterey, Monterey, Monterey plays the yep. easiest. Yeah. So stay away from guys playing Spyglass. Spyglass for sure. Spyglass is the, the toughest. So, yeah, dailies stay away from Spyglass. How about morning versus afternoon tees? Does the wind, what's, what's that do out there? Does it tend to pick up in the afternoons or is that just watch the weather? I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, watch okay. the weather. It's not like Tory where it mm-hmm. seems like it's okay. Watch no, the weather that I know. Yeah, I mean that's uh, all good things here. Again, we've we're running up on our twenty five minute mark. This has been a great show. So, uh, good luck to you boys. Yeah, back at you. Congrats on the goat. Thanks. We'll uh, hope to keep it this week. Mark's yeah. going for back to back champs. We'll see if that works. I like out. it, Mav. Um, tune in next week. Next week's gonna be our eighteenth show, our eighteenth hole. So I'm hoping to have something lined up here and. Uh, Best of luck to you out on the courses. We'll see you guys next week.